Hello, fam. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sin Vodka. Sin Vodka is a vet-owned company. At Sin, they always stay away from the ordinary and always strive for something new and exceptional. Their award-winning Sin Ultra Premium Vodka is formulated and distilled by master distillers who use the finest ingredients from around the world to create a vodka like no other. Keep a lookout for this premium Sin Vodka in stores and bars in Texas and Louisiana. I promise you, you won't regret it. Be sure to check them out at SinUltraVodka.com. Drink responsibly. Our podcast is also brought to you by Texas L Project. The Texas L Project is the first brewery and taproom to be built from the ground up in the city of Dallas, Texas since the late 1800s. They are a family and veteran-owned brewery that has the passion and dedication to serve the finest brews to you. Great beer doesn't just happen. They believe in a multi-step mash brewing process. The Texas L Project uses only the finest ingredients along with a few other tricks to enable them to deliver a well-balanced American-style ale and lager. Check them out at TexasLProject.com. That's Texas, A-L-E, Project.com. And be sure to follow them on Instagram at TexasLProject. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Hustle. We know the struggle to stay motivated. The creativity and thrive starts dying out. We can't let that happen. Yeah. Listen to exclusive interviews with people just like you and how they overcame the exact same obstacles. Learn, execute, repeat. Because no matter what, yeah. we grow together. This is The Hustle. So you never you never uh, tried the whole whiskey coffee thing? Uh, No, dude. Like, So I've tried like the Bailey's cream shit. But like whiskey, coffee, I, I don't know, man. The reason why is to coffee, like you already got to kind of like you do your morning shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I feel like if you throw the whiskey in there, like it's happening real fast. Like you right. got seconds. <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't know. I guess that's one of the reasons why, but also like, I just can't drink in the morning, man. Like I, I just can't do it. Like, um, I have like a set time, you know, childhood bullshit, like. Yeah, my, me and my therapist are working through it. <laughs> you know, but uh, your therapists are working through it to get you to drink in the morning. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's just I, I have like rules with it, man. I can't like uh, like your boy. What's his name? The dude that said he doesn't drink till nine p.m. We were we um. Oh God, I don't know. Jason. Yeah, yeah. He was saying he doesn't drink till nine. He has like stint like times where I don't he know doesn't. If that's a true rule though. It well, may have been that day he said it, and I had no cause to not believe him. <laughs> well, like, so he he did do um he he does a lot of. Uh, self-care yeah like a big believer of it and, yeah, yeah and you know i respect him for it. i'm an advocate of it myself but yeah yeah like he was doing a whole thing to where he wasn't even drinking at all mm. and then i guess that ran into like okay i'll have something but not till like nine o'clock but i also yeah. think that it has something to do with like professionalism because of where yeah. his office and stuff is too yeah i mean i think i, I respect it. as soon as you said it i was like damn bro i get down with that yeah. like yeah. I, I like that yeah i love just talking to the guy because smart like, kid man but he's never that mindset of business and sales and marketing that's 24 7 for him like it's never turned off so what you get at nine o'clock at night is the same person you're going to get at nine in the morning you can tell he's super genuine yes like i've met a lot of people in my life and there's like definitely you know people always say like i feel like i'm a good judge of character like i do feel like i'm a good judge of character that cat like i was like i can rock with this dude man yeah and he he is he's super genuine person doesn't matter who's around because there's been some heavy hitters around him and like his persona never changes, yeah. and I love that. You gotta love that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, enough about other people that've already been on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to that episode; it's awesome. <laughs> so, um, you're, so the photography uh, 
stuff for you has exploded. Like, yeah. You're super busy now. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty nice. It sucks, but it's dope at the same time. Yeah. Did you ever, did you fathom this, you know, 10 years ago that you're going to be this photographer <laughs> that, you know, people actually. Dude, I didn't even know it was going to be a photographer three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like that was never in the cards, man. I had no idea I was going to be a photographer, let alone all. What I will say is when I decided that I was going to do it for real, I knew that it was going to get to this point and I still have my plan on surpassing what I'm doing now. Yeah. So once I decided to play the game for real, I was like, it's on, mm -hmm. but yeah, I had no idea what the hell I was like. Just like anybody else. I had no clue what I was, I was just trying to figure out each day. Yeah. I think all of us do that though. Yeah. I have no idea what the hell I want. to do. <laughs> yeah. That's why, it, you know, it's again, I harp on this all the time, but the, the, the idea that you have to pick all this shit in your twenties of what you're going to do, get married, have kids, buy a house, all this So stuff. much pressure. <laughs> so much pressure. Not for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, be. it's funny, though, because, like, all right, so I went to TCU for a little while. I was an art major there. Uh, I actually recently just quit school because I couldn't keep up with the business in school. Right. So, um, but while I was there, there was times where, like, you could hear other kids, and they're, like, in their 20s, mm -hmm. and they're stressed out about life. They're like, you got to figure out, like, what I'm going to do after this, get a job. And it's like, man, that's really like the most difficult thing you've got going on right now. Yeah. But then I would tell them all the time, like, yo, you don't need to know what's going on right now. Like, dude, I'm 34 and I'm in college again. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like nobody has a fucking clue how this thing plays out. I got kids, bro. Yeah. And I'm still here in class <laughs> with kids. Like, <laughs> and so it's like, I tell people all the time, like, don't put so much weight on trying to solve your life. Yeah. Just like, just try to do better each day. And that's literally the best thing you can fucking do. Well, and the, the, the problem is, too, society puts such a um, priority on go get a job that makes yeah. good money. Yeah. And, dude, that's that shit sucks. Yeah. Like, I've been down that road. I've, I've worked for a, a you know decent company that made yeah. really good money, but I hated my job. So that's literally my dad gave me that advice when I was a kid, man. That's what, like, so. It was a mentality. It was a huge detour. So when I was, I've always been an art kid. So in high school, I was a painter. I used to do acrylics and I would do like, um, how do you explain it? it was like more abstract. abstract acrylic painting, but it would be like real abstract realism, essentially. So it's like portraits, but with different colors, colors that weren't skin tones, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I had a scholarship. I had a small scholarship for school for art. And then uh, I was looking at art schools and my brother was, an, he was big into art too. So I was like, I wanted to do that. And the goal was to be a fashion designer. I know right. it sounds crazy, but that's literally what I wanted to do. And so I hit my dad, I talked to my dad, mind you, my dad, 20 years in the army, probably for the first 10 years was infantry. Last 10 years was army band, played trumpet his whole life. But I was straight up told him, I was like, Hey dad, uh, I want to be, um, I want to go to art school. Mm -hmm. And he looked me dead in the face and he was like, Hey man, you should probably do something that's going to make money. <laughs> My dad's so straightforward. English is his second language. So anybody where like English is your second language, there's a barrier for people that don't know the emotional range and the way people talk in English doesn't really exist in certain languages. No, there's, so yeah. it might sound like they're an asshole, but they're actually not. They just cut through the, all the bullshit when they talk. They're very transparent. Yeah. So my dad, like he legit was like, you should probably do something that's going to make you some money. Well, we, we, um, we experienced that to working together with that one. Client <laughs> oh, <photography>. yeah. <laughs> she was, I was like, Oh, okay. Bro, she, that took a second, man. That yeah. was rough. Yeah. I had to rethink this. I was like, wow, yeah. she's, uh, she's very, she's very to the point. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what my dad told me, man. So I uh, I scrapped art school completely. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to community college because that's what I could afford at the time, and uh, I tried to be a psych major, and that was I was I wanted to be a psychologist. That was the goal, and then 
I did one semester. And at that time I was huge into skateboarding. So I was like, skateboarding's way doper than uh art school or psychology. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out. And then uh that's kind of where things started to kind of like spin into its own little process. Yeah. And you're so where are you originally from? So I grew up in Virginia. So all right, so backtrack a little bit. So my dad was in the army, just like I said earlier. Yeah. And so because of that, I was born in Germany. I was born in an army base in Hamburg, Germany. For anybody that can relate to that, you know, you know what's up. And then from there, we moved around a lot. So I've lived in California, Arizona. I've been all over the place. But he retired in Virginia. Okay. And so I got to Virginia in fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. So I tell people I'm from Virginia because essentially that's where most of my childhood was. Right. So a small town in Virginia called uh, Colonial Heights. It's just outside of Richmond, right next to Petersburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it's not much, dude. Three miles long, three miles wide. Sounds like my college town that I went to. Real small. Real small. small. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody's bullshit. Like, it's not. Man, but you know, there's, uh, like, even in Dallas, I'm starting to learn. The world's just a small place, period, in general. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the population's like. Eventually, you, you find that area that you you know, normalize yourself with and, and everybody knows everybody and you see people multiple times. And then people, again, people know, you know, their bullshit. They know your bullshit. It's the world goes round. It is weird how small it is. And like, I didn't realize that until I joined the Marine Corps. Yeah. Dude, there's dudes that I've met. Probably I've met dudes in other countries Mm -hmm. that were Marines. And then years later in different bases or even at like a mall, I'll see him again yeah. and be like, holy shit, man, like I haven't seen you in four or five years. Yeah. It's not, the world's not as big as people. Th- like, obviously, if you want to break out numbers, yeah, it's fucking massive. But as far as like interactions go. Well, especially with like industries. Yeah. Like coming from oil and gas industry, um, you know, there's a little, everybody knows everybody in that industry. Yeah. I mean, the more crazy. niche you go, the smaller it gets, yeah. bro. Imagine bodybuilding fitness photography. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just bodybuilding in general. Yeah. I mean, it's so like, I, I know, like I know more people than I feel like I should in the small amount of time that I've been doing this, which is credibility wise. You really got to be on your P's and Q's when it comes to business, because one small misstep, bro. And that's it because everyone knows everyone. Well, and that's why it's so important. People are so hard on like Yelp reviews and Google reviews because it's out there for the world to see. And you ha- only have, you know, when you get into a niche, you only have such a, a limited audience of, of who you're trying to advertise to. So then you have you have that X on your back from that bad review. Then you're stuck, dude. Then you're stuck. Yeah, it's a there's, there's a lot of pressure that goes into it, but it's also like, man, if you do everything you're supposed to. The other thing with it, I guess you could say, or the, or the counter argument is like, you might run into one bad person that just has a shit opinion of you. Yeah. But if you, I think if you treat everyone and meet everything the same way, your other good reviews will vouch for you and be like, nah, bro, you must have just had like a raw off day or maybe he had an off day, you know? Because at that point, there's like, if you're a shit person, it's going to come to light. But if you're interacting with a client that's just being difficult, that's different. So if that difficult client reviews you, that's kind of a different circumstance than you being a shit person doing some crazy stuff. Well, and that's the problem too with certain reviews is, you know, Sometimes the relationship just doesn't work out with a client. Yeah, you got to break not up. Take it that way. Yeah, and you know, and then you you also have trolls that'll literally leave a bad review just because you have you know five star rating. Yeah, because like they're going to leave a bad yeah. review just and you mean you don't even know this person. This person's never used your services. Yeah, but the fact that you know you have five stars and your business is thriving, 
they're going to they're going to do that just to be a dick. Yeah. Well, there's people that are literally they're so unhappy with their life that they're going to try and find people to fucking meet them at their level. Dude, I, I get it. That last reel that I posted that got all that engagement that I showed you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I literally had people comment on it and saying that shit doesn't work. And I'm like, yeah, I'm literally telling you it worked. Well, like, no, it doesn't work vis- for them because they're not really actually trying. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. It's the so same it was, shit. Well, there was, but they, but they were, they were trying to make it to like, it didn't work for me. Yeah. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> what is it? There's a thing Tony Robbins said, um, cause I listen to all that motivational stuff. That's like, so there's a speech where he's talking and he's like, you know, it's one of those things where like weight loss, people say all the time, like I've tried everything. And Tony Robbins is like, well, if you tried everything, you'd actually be skinny. Yeah. So he's like, it. if you actually tried everything, you actually tried it, it would fucking work. Yeah. So to say you tried everything and it didn't work, it's likely that you didn't try as hard as you think you did. And, yeah. And, and of course you do have that 5% that are screwed by genetics. Yeah. <laughs> everything they may have, they may have tried yeah. everything and it didn't work just because genetics did not play in their favor. Yeah. But then, did you try everything? And I'm I'm not saying go do this by any means because I'm not fixing to, I'm not fixing to get sacrificed for body shaming anybody. But I guess if you wanted to say you've tried everything, then you'd go into plastic surgery. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so the I guess this, so that's one of the things that I learned in the military, right? So you do 12 years in the Marine Corps, you're going to learn something. Yeah. And the one thing that I learned is like because of the nature of my job. So in the Marine Corps, I was. Um, a logistical planner. So the technical name was embarkation and logistics specialist. If you're in the Marine Corps, you know what the hell that is. If you're not, I was think of like a party planner, but with like military, like references and money and tactics involved. That's kind of what I did. So with that, our only thing was like, regardless of what it is, regardless of the mission, regardless of the options, regardless of what's happening, you have to get it done. Like there's no, there's no other option. There was, there's no excuses. There's no, I can't, there's no, it doesn't happen or we can't make it work. The only thing we could do is get it done. And so I guess my view of the world or like in that situation is kind of skewed because it's like for 12 years, the only option I had was figure it the fuck out. Right. And that was it. Like sink or swim. Yeah. Like, dude, we had a, we, (laughs) we had a helicopter breakdown flying back to base and at a certain certain rules when it comes to aircraft if the if certain things go off on the aircraft they have to land within like five miles ten miles or whatever minutes or miles the distance is so they land this thing in the middle of like a a community park Mm -hmm. like literally people are like having lunch and this like helicopter has to just land in the center of it people are like scattering to get out of the way and shit so then i'm in my office they call me and they're like hey we need a crane we need two trucks and we need this and that like like by tomorrow and like i was like yo it literally takes like two weeks to get a crane they're like no no, no we need it tomorrow yeah figure it out and we did like we had to there was no choice so like when you do that for so long there really is no like you can't or any like there's no, like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. That means you did not try hard enough or you didn't fucking push hard enough to make it happen. Well, and that's why the motivation of starting your own business is some of the best motivation, especially when that's your only source of income. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to figure it out somehow. Real quick, during a pandemic, not <laughs> yeah. the best time to start. <laughs> yeah, so um, being in Virginia, then you you moved to California. What, what made you move to Cali? So that was in the Marine Corps. So... And is that true, by the way? I heard a, a thing. This is so random. Yeah, yeah. I heard a thing where, like, people that live in, in Cali don't actually say Cali. They don't. 
Yeah, I, I got corrected like recently, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there's a, a there was a lot of students in California. Well, okay, I guess I would assume that they don't based off of the person that told me this. Yeah. But now when I think about it and the people that were from there, I've never heard them say Cali. So maybe she was right. You know what I mean? But I was talking to a student at TCU. We were in class and I was like, yeah, I, I love Cali. And she was like, you're not from there, though, huh? From you just saying that. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, people from Cali don't say Cali. They just say like California or where they're from. Oh, wow. And so I was like, mm, okay. So random piece of information. For yeah. Everybody. Like sweet. All right, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so California was my last duty station. Um, Camp Pendleton is one of the largest Marine Corps bases. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most prominently known just because of how like it's in a very pretty area. So, yeah, so we ended up in Camp Pendleton, which my whole career I was trying to get to Camp Pendleton. I was like, man, if we get to Pendleton, that'd be dope. Because I love the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, my last duty station was Camp Pendleton. And that's how I ended up in California. Although I lived in California a few other times. So my dad was stationed in San Francisco. My mom's from Salinas. So we moved, to, we lived in Salinas like twice uh, just due to like family things. Yeah. And then when I was, my dad was there in San Francisco, we were there for a few years. But as in my own adult life, yeah, we moved to California in 2016, 2016. Right. Yeah. So after moving there, what prompted you to get into photography? I know we're kind of probably going to fast forward a couple of years. Cause yeah, yeah. Some stuff in between, but what, what pushed you into that? So a buddy of mine that I was stationed with, he approached me and like, I was always fascinated with the idea of like owning my own business at yeah. some point in time. I was like, man, I will like own my own shit. You know what I mean? Since I was a kid in high school, I knew that that was kind of the route I wanted to go. Right. Um, but I also knew that I was, I was an idiot kid. So I needed some kind of structure. So I joined the military, moved to a bunch of different duty stations, got to California. This dude I knew hit me up and was like, Hey man, I'm starting this t-shirt company. Uh, you want to go in on it? And I was like, yeah, fuck it, man. Like, I'm yeah. down. Like, I'll give it a shot. Uh, and I had a couple other businesses prior to that, and those were not great because I just I didn't really try to know know what the fuck I was doing. Right. Um, so then I was like, yeah, we'll try this. I love clothes. So we launched this t-shirt company, and the first two like drops we did just in sales. You know how it works. Family friends buy first. Yeah, so you make really good. You're like, dude, I'm killing it. This is gonna be yeah. great. Like, you know. Uh, so then we invested in, in a photo shoot for content, for website, for social. We paid this dude, I think it was like five, 600 bucks mm-hmm. and, uh, the photos were pretty good, but like, I was like, man, we really didn't get a, a say so in like our brand idea or our brand concept. We really kind of just let this dude do whatever he wanted to do. Right. And I was like, for 500 bucks, we could buy a camera and at least we know we can shoot it the way we want to shoot it. Yeah. Uh, and then I also was like, you know, we should get into YouTube to like market the business. Right. So I went to Best Buy and bought a camera and it was only for the intent as like a business investment to like help build the t-shirt company and like do social for advertisements for the t-shirt company. Mm. And then that like in doing those little by little, I just kept taking pictures and kept taking pictures. Yeah. And just kind of fell in love with it. Yeah. Like, so my daughter had an appointment every Thursday she would have an appointment in the evenings um, for like probably like six, seven months, eight months. It was for her ADHD. And so we would take her to like a behavioral therapist right? and I would take her. And then in that period of span, I would have an hour to do whatever. And it was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do for an hour? So I would bring my camera and I would just walk around old town Temecula and I would just take pictures of myself. 
So for the first eight months of it, I was only taking portraits of myself or taking portraits of Old Town Temecula. And that literally was like, it just pushed it into like, man, I fucking really enjoy doing this. Right. And that's kind of how it like, by happens chance, I just kept doing it. Mm -hmm. So are you still with the t-shirt business? No, dude. So that lasted maybe a year. Okay. Yeah. So we had a couple of drops that did good. And then in business, when you have a partner, like you have to either agree on things or be able to disagree. Right. And there was a lot of like times. Communication's where, key. Yeah. As a part, when you have a partner. Exactly. And there were a lot of times where like we weren't talking or like I was trying to make decisions and I wasn't getting responses or vice versa because of just life and work. And I was like, look, dude, I don't think this is going to work, bro. Like we're not fully invested. We have a bunch of shit going on. Like maybe this isn't the right time. So I kind of backed out and was just like, if you still want to run with it, by all means. But I don't think this is, I don't want to be an anchor that just like stops this thing from moving. Right. So I backed out of it uh, and it kind of just dissolved into its own. Is it still around? Um, not really. Okay. So like it's every now and then he'll try and like revamp some stuff, Yeah. but it's not like a running or fluid Again, thing at all. Probably he's not putting full attention to it. Yeah. And I would say that's probably likely what's happening yeah. to it. So fast forwarding. You find what you love. You're doing it. Uh, COVID hits. Yeah. And you just up and move to Texas. <laughs> yeah. Like so on a limb. there's all right. So there's a lot to that. So <laughs> so in doing this, the the t-shirt thing, and then every week, every Thursday, I would go shoot and stuff. I wanted to get more equipment because I was starting to watch YouTube videos, and I was like, man, okay, like. I need this or maybe that to change some things. Yeah. But one of the things that I was telling my wife was like, man, I really don't want to spend our money doing this. Yeah. Like you're, I, you're never doing business. If you can leverage. Yeah. Other, you know. And so it wasn't even about a business thing at first. It was more of like, I want this, but I don't want to have to pay for it. Right. So then I asked her, I was like, you think people would pay? Like if I, like if I charge like a small amount of money, you think people would pay me for this? She was like, give it a shout. What the hell? So you know what I mean? What'd you have to lose? So like I got on the community pages on Facebook and I was just like, you know, family photos, 50 bucks. So I started only charging, I was only charging 50 bucks because I knew I needed like $200 for this lens that I wanted. It's like Walmart prices, man. Yeah. And so literally like I was charging 50 bucks for family photos and people were like paying for it. And I was like, holy shit, like people are paying for this. So then I got busy and then I was like, okay, I'm too busy. So 50 bucks would do $85. That's a lot, right? So I was like <laughs> 85 bucks. Here we go. And then people were paying that. And I was like, holy shit, like people are paying 85 bucks. We'll just do a hundred. Let's see. And then we got to a hundred and I was like, wow, this is dope. Um, Cause at the time I was working off a borrowed camera. Yeah. So there was a dude. So I bought that one camera I had, but it wasn't efficient enough. So every time we would shoot it, it would freeze or like cut off cause it would overheat. Yeah. So a, a Marine that I was stationed with, his wife had bought a professional camera and she was like, uh, she had just thrown it to the wayside. They weren't using it anymore. And he was like, hey, man, I know you're really into this photography thing and you're working with clients. What if you just take a couple photos of our shop? So he had like a woodworking shop. And he was like, and I'll, you know, I'll let you borrow the camera. And I was like, well, when do you need it back, dude? And he was like, whenever you're done with it, like whenever y'all grow it. And I was like, are you serious? And he gave it to me. He had like four or five lenses. And it was like, um, what was it? A 70D, a Canon 70D. It's an older camera. Mm -hmm. And that was my first professional camera. And for a year, dude, I used a borrowed camera. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, and the whole goal was to make enough money to buy my own camera so I could give it back to him. Right. And that was it. Like, that was my only goal was like, I just need to make him enough to make, to give him back his. Mm -hmm. So yeah, $100 photo shoots, $100 photo shoots. 
Um, and then at that time I was getting, I was working my way out of the military, which is its own story in its own right, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about, I guess, once we get to like the, the anxiety stuff, cause that's its own, that's its own. Monster. Yeah. So as I was working my way out of the military, um, I started kind of charging a little bit more. We were trying to figure out what we were doing. I had landed this job working human resources. Uh, and I did that for a year, but the whole time I was there, I was just like shutting my door in the office, trying to learn Photoshop, trying to learn editing. There was a dude that worked with me. I literally would buy him lunch once a week so he could teach me Photoshop during our lunch break. Because I was like, I need to learn Photoshop on YouTube. They're saying you got to edit on Photoshop. I only know Lightroom. I'm trying to like level up and shit. So the kid, I guess his school taught him Photoshop. Yeah. And so I was like, bro, if you know Photoshop, like I'll legit buy your lunch once a week. Just sit in the office with me and like help me break through this. And like legit for once a week, he, I would, for an hour, he would, I'd bring my laptop. He'd show me how to use Photoshop. I'd buy him lunch. And then after about like five, six months of that, I was like off to the races, man. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, COVID hit. We got laid off, uh, furloughed. I guess that's the polite way to say you're fired. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you, uh, and I, and I kind of skipped around a little bit. But, no, yeah, yeah. Um, you were, as you were building this, you were actually working full time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was working full time as a, um, facilitator and trainer, uh, in the human resources department for a casino, a pretty prominent casino. Yeah. Uh, I could probably say the name, right? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah so we, I used to work for Caesars, Yeah. but, uh, um, there was a Harrah's in San Diego, Okay. uh, all close to San Diego. And I used to work there at the Harrah's and I used to teach, uh, leadership development, and like crucial conversations and i would teach like directors managers all kinds of shit like that Mm -hmm. and then like in between those sessions i would go into my office and like edit photos or like look for clients and like it was it was nuts man Mm -hmm. because it was it was a great job um especially given the circumstances of how i found the job and then even like getting it and like because they were looking for someone with like a master's degree and i only had an associate's yeah and they were like well you have 10 years of experience with the military so we'll give it we'll give you a shot um and then like i could do whatever i wanted i was running the department i could wear whatever i wanted but i just i fucking hated it Mm -hmm. which is crazy because like the people i worked with were dope um but every day I would drive to work, I'd be like, man, this sucks. Yeah. Like I just, I'm, I, I don't want to do this. And it was like, for anyone else, they would kill for a situation like that. Right. And I just, I hated every minute of it. Well, I mean, a nine to five is not for everybody. Yeah. I guess not. No, just like entrepreneurship is not for everybody. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's super true. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. So um, when did you decide to give that up? Was it because you were forced uh, would be unfurloughed. So I, I guess secretly, right? So like, I, I've always said like, be careful what you say out loud because eventually the universe will see if you really want it. Right. And I was saying like, man, if, if I could like do this full time, that'd be dope. Or if I could figure it out, that'd be great. But of course I wanted to do that on my own terms. I wanted to make sure financially I was good or like never have th- that thing. Terms. Yeah. So as like, and I was saying we would have conversations, me and the wife, like while we're like drinking wine, like, you know, if I could, this would be great. Mm-hmm. And then boom, COVID hit. And then uh, we were working from home for a little bit. And then we got a warning notice. For those of you who don't know what that is, the corporate world, they sent out a letter saying, hey, you're about to be fired, yeah. but you'll still get insurance. Um, and that's essentially what happened. Uh, people started getting furloughed. My wife got furloughed before I did because we worked in the same, we actually worked in the same department in the same company, which right. is odd. 
Um, and then I was going to go see my mom in Florida and we were trying to figure out what the fuck we were going to do. Cause with three kids, an 800 square foot apartment paying $1,800 a month in rent. Yeah. $2,000 a month in childcare. Once you lose your job there, you really, you're about to be below water pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. Um, so I was going to see my mom in Florida and as we're driving, I was going to catch a red eye. My wife looks over at me and she was like, Hey, what if we move to Texas? And I was like, well, what the fuck are we going to do there? <laughs> and she was like, what if you just gave this a shot? Like legit tried. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. So, and I'm a numbers guy. So I was like, check it out. If the numbers are there and we can make it work, I'm down. Yeah. And so I flew out to Florida. Didn't really think about it. Flew back. Was kind of thinking about it on the way back. Once we came back that night, we broke out all the numbers. We were like, okay, we need to have this much money. So that way we can make it at least seven months in Texas without jobs. Right. But then we have seven months to find jobs. Mm-hmm. And that, cause that seven months, that's it. We're out. And, uh, we were like, all right, let's give it a shot. So I put in my, I, I technically resigned from the company because when you're furloughed, you're not right. You're just not getting paid. So I, I put in my two weeks notice. Uh, I think we had a month left and we had a month to save or make that money. And, we did it. Like we built up as much money as we needed in that month. And, uh, I was like, well, fuck. All right, here we go, man. So we, uh, we hired movers and did all the things logistically to get out here, found a dude that would rent me a house without a job. Like, which was, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, that's quite challenging, but he, he did it, you know? And, uh, one of the other things I knew is like, there's a couple things that I knew needed to happen. One, I knew I needed to start looking ahead. Mm-hmm. And so like I was posting shit about like, Hey, your boys coming to Dallas or like, Hey, anybody in Dallas looking for photographers? Because I was like, I can't just show up and have nothing set in place. Cause then it's like, you're, you're literally running with weights on your feet yeah. at that point. And so I was posting about it. The other thing was one photographer in California was like, Hey man, if you really want to level up, you got to learn lighting. And I was like, well, what the fuck is that? Like, what do you mean? And he was like, you got to use lights dog. And so like, he was like, explained it. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? So one night I was drinking and I was on YouTube and I was like, lighting, look up light, you know? Yeah. And I found this dude, um, Brett Seeley, who amazing, amazing person. He, um, he had a mentorship group on lighting and I DM'd him at like one in the morning and he responded. He was like, what's up? And I was like, how do I get in this group? And he's like, this is how much it costs. This is the equipment you need. And I was like, well, how do I find that? He was like, I'll send you a list on Amazon. Just order it. And like, literally I took a chunk out of the money that we had in savings for this trip. And it was like, I ordered everything like that by two in the morning. I had it and it was already purchased. And I DM'd him back and I was like, here's all your money. I bought all the stuff. What's next. He's like, we have a, like a zoom meeting this Thursday. And so I just started learning and he was my first like photo mentor that like, well, he's my second one. Technically my first one was my homie ton. That dude changes the game for me. That's a funny story. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, I learned lighting. And so for a month or so before I even got here, I was practicing lighting, how to shape light, how to do certain things. So that way, when I got here, I knew that I could offer something that a lot of people in this area weren't getting. Right. People were doing it, but they weren't doing it the way I do it. And so I was like, that's going to be cool too. Let's try that. So yeah, so I'm canvassing clients, trying to find things in Dallas, um, practicing lighting, posting stuff about it, not getting any responses, nothing. And then one day this, uh, this dude DMs me and he's like, yo, when are we going to shoot? 
And I was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and so, uh, and I looked on his page and I was like, okay, he works out. He works out in a gym that I want to shoot at. Yeah. So that's obviously that works out for me. That's a benefit. Um, but he was just like really upfront in the DMs. Like just, like, he was talking to me like he knew me for years. And I was like, and I don't have a fucking clue who you are. So I was like, sure, man, whatever. So drove to Texas, made a couple stops, took us like through two days, two or three days with stops. Cause we wanted to make a trip out of it. Right. Um, and then, yeah, like the first official week I was here, he sent me the address and I was like, bro, that's an hour and a half away, man. I'm not, not really trying to do that, yeah. you know? And, uh, my wife again, she was like, what do you mean you're not trying to do it? Like, what the fuck else are you doing? And I was like, oh, that's a good point. On, <laughs> like, on top of this, you're doing this for free for brand awareness. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So that was the thing. Yeah. So like I couldn't find anybody that would pay me as soon as I got out here. So I was like, all right, well, technically no one knows who I am. And I need something to post to say that I'm here yeah. and to show that I actually can do this thing with lights. So I was like, yeah, like, fuck it. I'll do it. So I drove an hour and a half. Uh, to this gym and I didn't even know if the dude could get me into the gym because he really never confirmed that he could do that either so yeah. I was like wow let's see what happens so yeah the dude shows up he's there fucking f a force of energy if you like it's crazy yeah and uh the gym let me in and we shot and they were pr like really solid photos and like it was a banner photo that I wanted just to make the statement to say like I'm here and mm -hmm. I'm doing this shit and um like your statement piece. Yeah. But yeah, I did it for free. Yeah. And I did it for free for a while. Yeah. Which was, but well, for free with the intent of upselling. Right. There's always a sale to be made. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that was my first shoot here in Texas. And it was, it was uphill from there for a while. Well, and the thing is though, like a lot of people would have just gave up the moment nobody responded to their stuff. Yeah. So you, I mean, you had to adapt. You had to figure something out because well, you moved the whole family here. I'm like, well, all right. So there's a couple things to that. One, I moved the whole family here for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's no. So you have to figure this out. Yeah. There's no mistakes to be made. There's no quitting yeah. at that point because I literally changed all of their lives mm -hmm. so I could try this thing that I like. Right. So who the fuck am I to be like, nah, I'm good. Let's just get a job. Dude, I'm, I'm experiencing that right now. It's, it's, it's funny now that we're talking about this story. Um, I have two partners in, in the business yeah. for marketing. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I can announce this now because it's all it's all in the works and going through, but they're actually uprooting their entire families to move from Calgary to the DFW area. Yeah. To uh, do it. So it, again, it's it's that like It's on. It was it was real a year ago. Yeah. Now it's really real now cuz it's like yeah. oh shit, like we have families that are coming yeah. like yeah, we, we we got to do this. There's no, there's no failure. The stress is weird when there's no net. Yeah. Cause like even in California, see, I didn't say Cali. So <laughs> even in California, I mean, I had good clients, right? So I used to be the uh, content creator for donuts and deadlifts. Yeah. So I worked for that company for a solid year. And I mean, for certain shoots, man, I'd make a couple grand. And, it it and was started in California. Yeah. Okay. So I'd make a couple grand. And then I used to work for self-made and I would do their content and stuff. And it was predominantly clothes at that time. So I'd get a whole bunch of free t-shirts and shit like that. But I had a full-time job. I was making salary. Yeah. And it, so it was like, you know, if you don't call me, it sucks, but I'm not dying. Yeah. I can pay the bills. But moving out here, bro, like that was, 
that was it. Right. And like with no clients, you have to figure so much shit out so fast. And mind you, like I said earlier, like I had three other businesses, they all sucked. Right. So it's not like I had like great, like platform stances to go off of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, but there was always, like I said, there was always an intent to upsell. Yeah. So like, even with the way I would do my shit for free, it was never just to do it for free. Mm-hmm. so even the way I found people to do it. So what we call an industry is a trade. So a trade session. So some people say like TFPs, like trade for prints or trade for photos. Uh, I just call it a trade. And there's certain things that I know. So one, my following was really low. So if I DM someone that had like 10,000 followers or more, they're not going to see Went it. To their junk. Yeah. So that I knew I couldn't just DM high profile athletes and be like, yo, look at my shit. Like I'm mm-hmm. cool. Cause it's never, they're never going to see it. But I also knew that like, I needed to start popping up in people's purview in certain circles. So what I would do is I would find athletes that were second tier, like no offense to these people, but second tier to the people that I wanted to shoot with or to the companies that I wanted to work with or gyms right. that I wanted to go into. And I would start interacting with them on social. And then they would contact me and they'd be like, Hey man, see so you're in the area. I'd love to shoot. And of course, at that point, it's like, all right, so how do I spin this? So I'd be like, yeah, like, let's shoot. Let's set up this date. And I'd be like, I'd let them know, like, yo, it's going to be a trade. Like, you show up. I just I have this concept I want to shoot. And then uh, from there, you'll get to select some photos. If you happen to want to purchase more, you can. Mm-hmm. And then that's the upsell. So what you do at that point as a photographer is you ensure that you leave with as many fucking banger photos as you can. And you send them all of them Mm -hmm. so they can look at them and you let them select the images. So what that does is just by power of choice, they're like, man, there's so many, I can't decide. And this is such a minimal amount of money. Mm -hmm. Sure. I'll select a couple. And you do that once a week, you're making about $125 a day, maybe a hundred dollars a day. And that's literally how it started. Even the way we selected them, it would be a process of like, looking at their social. Have they purchased commercial photos before? Have they shot with a photographer before? Um, what's their following? What's the response of their following? Like for female athletes, if you look in their comments, is it all dudes just dropping emojis or is like women saying like, you make me feel empowered, right? Because all of those things mattered on the return and investment that I would get from my, my time. Of course. Cause at that point, that's what I'm giving you as far as currency goes is I'm giving you my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so we would canvas their social. We would look through certain things. We'd be like, all right, this would be a good fit. This is probably going to have a good return. Mm-hmm. And then we'd hit those people up and we'd interact. And that's how I started doing it. I would do like essentially cold call DMs with the intent on making a return of at least 100 to $125. Hoping, hoping they, they saw it. Yeah. 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 And then little by little, that would get me into certain purviews or circles and shit like that. Right. And that goes back into to networking, being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, because there's a part of that too, right? Yeah. You got to put yourself in those situations. And yeah. someone with anxiety and like panic disorder, there's a lot of situations I don't want to fucking be in. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> we, and, we can, and we can hop into that now. Yeah, what's, sure. What's, what's crazy is you did all that, uprooted everything from California. I'm not going to say Cali anymore because I don't want to be the douchebag. Yeah. Uh, uprooted everything from California and uh, with – struggle of mental illness yeah. severe mental illness yeah yeah and uh yeah and, and and now killing it but did all that with with the things that you suffer from yeah so how how much more difficult was it doing that 
I think the hardest thing you can do as a person is get out of your own fucking way. Yeah. I think that's literally the hardest thing you can do. And a lot of times like dealing with issues with other people exterior or like external factors it, it, that might be more or less complicated. I was about to say more easy. I did go to college by the way. So, <laughs> but like getting out of your own fucking way is the hardest thing, especially when it's in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it was a lot of like conversation and a lot of like, I just got to suck this shit up and do it. Like, um, there were, there were things I'd legit canceled. It was like, ah, I'm not going to go. Cause it's, uh, it's too far. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I was just, I was panicking and I didn't want to put myself in a situation that was going to make me uncomfortable. Right. Um, or there was times where I'd literally be in a shoot and have a full blown panic attack and be like, I got to go to the bathroom and completely freak out in the bathroom and then like try and figure it out and come back out and make it work. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you get home and like, not all the photos are great because the whole time I wasn't even mentally there. Like I've gotten a better hold on it now, but it's been a long journey, man. Like it's something I deal with now, but I deal with it better now than I did back in like 2015, 2016. Yeah. Cause back then you almost, I mean, it seems like you went through a full blown depression of because of the panic attacks to where you weren't even getting off the couch. Bro, it was, so it was, it was a lot of things, right? So to preface it, I guess the best way to build the understanding of it. And it took me years to figure out what the fuck really happened or why. Mm-hmm. So growing up in school in high school, I wasn't like a great athlete. I was I was pretty good. I was a decent athlete. Ran track, went to regionals, shit like that. Skateboarding, I was all right. I wasn't great. Um, but the Marine Corps, man, I was fucking good at that. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like I was that. Like so. As soon as I joined the military, and I like after boot camp, and I got to like training and stuff. I knew like this is me. Like this right. is my shit. And so. I, I mean, you probably don't know what the gauge or the gravity of it is, but from the day I joined the Marine Corps to my two-year mark, I went from E nothing to E5. I got promoted like twice in one year, and essentially I got promoted uh, five times within two years, right? Mm-hmm. And meritoriously promoted once. A lot of different accolades, a bunch of different awards, um, which is very fast. Right. And um, – I was also a martial arts instructor, martial arts instructor, trainer, which you're not like, here's the thing. People think like, oh, it's like you're fucking like special. No, you're just expected to have a higher standard of businessmanship and a higher standard of fitness, higher standard of regard for yourself. So the way you carry yourself is higher because of the belt and the schools that you went to and all that shit. And so when I walked into a room, people knew who the fuck I was and what I was there to do. Mm -hmm. And like when I held meetings, there was no question of who I was and what I was doing because of the accolades that I had built and the career that I had built for myself. Mm -hmm. And then 2015 happened. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I was just sitting at work one day uh, at a desk watching TV and I mean, I just started sweating. I legit just started sweating. My I could feel my heart just beating through my fucking chest and I didn't know what was going on. My hands start shaking. I get up. I'm on duty. So I get up. I walk out of the duty hut and like I'm walking around and I'm like, man, I can't fucking breathe, dude. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. So I'm like taking off my, my blouse, which is like our top, like our, mm-hmm. our shirt. And I'm taking off my duty belt to take off my cover. And I'm like walking around outside. I can't catch my fucking breath. My like right arm goes numb. And so all I know by all accounts, because this shit's never happened to me before in my life, I'm having a fucking heart attack. Mm-hmm. Like from what I've seen on like rescue 911 and shit, like motherfucker, you're having a heart attack. 
So like I'm trying to breathe. I'm like punching my chest because I saw something saying you could like restart your shit. If, like, <laughs> <laughs> like yo, I'm, I'm like, so panicking. I'm so serious. I'm panicking, dog. The like the sky like shifting like everything. I'm sweating profusely. And so finally, my A duty, who's like my assistant, he who sits with you, he comes outside. And he's like, "Hey, sorry, you good, man?" And I was like, "No, bro, I think you need to call the fucking ambulance, dog. Like, I legit think I'm dying, homie." And like, mind you, everything that I said, there's no weakness in me, and there's no, there's no perception of weakness, and there hasn't been for years in mm -hmm. the Marine Corps. So if I told you, I think I'm dying, you have no choice but to think like, "Holy shit, this guy, based yeah. on what I know about him, like this has got to be serious." So the ambulance shows up and I'm thinking like, yo, this is real bad. Like whatever the fuck this is, it's bad. They do an EKG. They do uh, blood pressure, the blood sugar right there. They do all kinds of shit. And the dude looks at me. He's like, hey, bro, you're good. And I remember that being so significant because I was like, there's no fucking way. Mm -hmm. So as soon as, and of course, because my mind at that point is freaking out. So I was like, if there's nothing immediate, maybe there's some like, systemic Long issue term. maybe have like a tumor or something right <laughs> so great a anxiety for any psychologists that are listening they're like yep that's him he's got it um so like i'm panicking at that point like long term but that panic attack happened nothing i went away went back to business as usual didn't have any issues people made fun of me because the ambulance showed up i laughed that shit off punched a couple of them in the face and then that was it, right? Mm -hmm. In training, I was allowed to punch him in the face because we were in training. <laughs> um, and then like a year later, I had another one. And that one, I was just laying in bed and it fucking happened again. And like, I was like, I just got to get out of the house and fucking rip the blankets off, throw my slides on. And I'm like, we're in New Orleans at the time. And it's like one in the morning and I'm just walking around the neighborhood, panicking dog, same things. Knees went weak, hand tingling, all this shit. And so once again, call the ambulance because I'm like, all right, this has got to be, this is the one, you know? And dude says the same thing. He's like, no, man, you're straight, man. He's like, you know, maybe just have a drink or like Tylenol PM or something. Just relax. And I was like, man, there's no fucking way this keeps happening. And I'm like, I'm fine. This mm -hmm. is odd. So um, from that day, it was like every other day or like once every two weeks. And then like, every day and then every 30 minutes and it like it got to the point man where i was like lying about shit i was taking leave because i just couldn't get out of bed couldn't get off the couch i was lying about things to leave work early because i was having panic attacks at work uh there was one time my buddy had to come get me because i was like in the fetal position in the handicap stall just sweating and i couldn't figure it out and the whole time like i'm not telling anyone that i work with about this shit mm -hmm. Because you couldn't, there couldn't be any perception of weakness because I don't care what anybody says about the military or like, we're here for you. We care about the minute that you show weakness or any kind of like mental break, you're going to lose every piece of credibility you fucking have. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times in my career to where I knew, like, if I tell these cats that like I have anxiety or I'm panicking, anything that I shred or any sh like shred of credibility I have is gone. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I didn't say shit for like a year or two and I was just trying to deal with it. But the problem was in trying to deal with it, you're, you're kind of fucked because it gets worse. And then like, even just like trying to make appointments without telling my command because I didn't want them to know, or like 
not even willing to accept or say the words anxiety because that would be weakness and I didn't want to be weak. And it like, dude, it wrecked me, bro. Like it wrecked me. And like, I gained a fuck ton of weight. Um, I wasn't working out. I wasn't running. I wasn't like, I couldn't, there were certain meetings I couldn't go to because I would start to panic and I would leave. So all that whole identity that I had built of like, this is who I am. This is my shit. This is what people know me as. It was all gone like that. All of it. And I had no fucking clue who I was. I had no idea what I was about. I just, all I knew is that I wasn't that guy anymore. And so I lost any concept of who I was. So that's where the depression kicked in. It's like, I guess you could say it'd be like if an athlete was to like blow their knee out after like the first season of like a prominent year or something. And then you have to fucking figure out who you are or what this thing is. And that's kind of what happened to me, man. I, I didn't know. I didn't know like who I thought I was and what I thought I had built was gone just like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the fuck it was, what was going on, where it came from, why. And yeah, so I was having panic attacks literally twice a day, every day for like two or three years. Mm. Like not just like, oh, I'm nervous, like full blown sweating, fucking vomiting panic attacks. It was, it was gnarly. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. So how'd you figure it out? Well, it got real dark real fast. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so essentially what happened was there is a Dr. Miles Monroe. There's a dude that I listen to. He's one of my favorite speakers. And he says that you will never truly change anything unless you hate it. Mm -hmm. He was like, hate is the strongest form of change or growth. And so he was like, you will never change what you don't hate. And that, that was the thing. It was like, because of what I've learned in the military and like just my fucking high level of stubbornness, I was just dealing with it because I just knew like, just deal with it and just make it home every day and you're fucking fine. Right. And I, so I didn't get to the point where I fucking hated it. It was just like, this sucks, but I don't hate it, you know? So then we moved to California and it was getting worse and the pressure was on, man. I was helping build a unit from scratch, like literally from zero to like fully functioning. Um, a lot of pressure was on me as far as running that department and also like making certain things happen that had no, nothing to do. I was like doing accounting and I, I'm the last person you want doing fucking numbers. Um, so it was a lot of pressure. And then because of all of that, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I was having more panic attacks and they were getting worse and worse. So one day at work, we were getting ready to do like the um, startup ceremony to like open the command and say like, hey, we're open and we're ready for operations. And so they were practicing. What a ceremony is, is they like everybody's marching. It's a parade thing. And I was the armor. So what that means is like I literally just sit in a chair next to all the guns that aren't being used and they give you a, a pistol and it's loaded and you just sit there. And then when they're done, you take all the rifles back and you put them away. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there and like everybody's out on the parade deck doing their thing. And I'm just sitting in the fucking chair and no one's near me. And I had another panic attack and it was bad, bro. Like I was like shaking. My head was fucking tingling. My vision gets blurry. Like I'm sweating and I'm already feeling shitty about myself. Right. I'm already overweight. I'm already like feeling like I'm not completing the task of the job. My family's already suffered because I'm the guy that's just laying on the couch and drinking a fifth of fucking whiskey a night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not helping around the house. I'm not, taking care of my kids. I can't even walk up the stairs in my house without having a panic attack. So some nights I would sleep on the couch Mm -hmm. and then, um, 
Yeah. I was just sick of it. So I literally was like, man, fuck this. And I got up, I went in the bathroom and, uh, the intent was just to put water in my face. And then like, you know, I'm shaking, my arms are shaking. Like it's, it was, it was just uncontrollable, like almost like convulsing. And, uh, I was like, man, fuck this dude. Like, look at you, bro. Like it was such terrible self-talk. I was like, you're such a piece of shit. Like, I was like, you're so fat. Like you fucking, you're trying to fake all this shit in front of all these people. Like your, your family's going through all this bullshit. Cause of, like you're, you're just weak. It was just all this negative fucking self-talk. So I was like, you know what, bro? Everyone would probably, it would probably be easier just to wax this thing and just be done with it. Mm-hmm. So I pulled the fucking, uh, I pulled the nine mil out, rack it back. And uh, I start to lift it up and I'm like, just call it a day, bro. Right here in this fucking stinky ass bathroom. You know what I mean? And uh, as I'm lifting it up, I just had this internal dialogue where I was like, you've got to be really fucking stupid if you think this is the worst thing you've ever been through. And in that moment, like I stopped and I was like, bro, yeah, like it was like, I was like, yo, like I've been through so many things in my life that this is not the worst thing and I'm still here. Mm -hmm. So fuck this. So I put it down. I posted another like, like armor. So I I told one of my Marines like, Hey, you got to sit here. I fucking drove home, told my wife about it. Um, and the next morning, because my anxiety was tied to my heart beating. And so I stopped working out because obviously your heart rate gets elevated. So then I was thinking like, cool, I'm going to have a fucking heart attack if I run or if I do anything. So you just didn't do it. So I just didn't do it for like a year. And I would like lie to get out of PT tests and all kinds of shit. Like, oh, I tore my something or another. Like, you know what I mean? So that next morning I was like, yo, if, if legit there's a medical issue, if I legit have a heart problem, let's fucking find out. So I was like, I'm going to throw on my running shoes and I'm going to hit three miles. And if my shit pops while I'm running, then that's what the fuck it was. And I couldn't fix that anyway. It was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but if I make it back to this house, Clearly, it's something that I can fix, and that's what the fuck I'm gonna do. Right. And so, um, I legit I went running the same trail, like they had a trail by our house, and uh, yeah, I probably stopped like four or five times because I started to have like little mini panic attacks, and I would just remember just screaming at myself like "fuck this," like "let's go," just push, and I would run more, and then my breathing would get heavy, and I'd be like "no," and I'd push more. And cause I, I really like, it sounds terrible, but I was running to see, I was waiting for it to happen. Right. I was like, run faster. So we either just get it done or we don't. In your mind, you're literally pushing your body to failure. Yeah. And I was waiting to see if that shit was going to pop. Yeah. And as soon as I hit the turnaround point and I got halfway back, I just started sprinting. Cause I was like, let's see. And I made it through the door. Started crying. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was it. I made the decision. That was it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're going to figure out whatever the fuck this is. Yeah. So the direction of entrepreneurship, probably the hardest thing you could have chose with <laughs> <laughs> having that kind of illness. <laughs> yeah. There's no stability. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, bro. So I'm pretty stubborn. Like yeah. I'm like relentlessly stubborn. So yeah, I mean, given the fact that sure, I was... I was getting anxious. I was working through all that. And I was still, mind you, like during all of this, I'm still driving to LA for photo shoots. And then I'd have a panic attack in the car and then go do a shoot and then get in the car, drive home and then start drinking to kind of like kill the evening. But then coming out here, that level of stress and like 
financial stress and like all the other shit. Like it was like, man, this is not probably the smartest, but also I had faith in the fact that that boiling point or that pressure was also going to help me get better. Yeah. Because of the the fact that like you have no choice. Like if I don't go, we don't eat. Yeah. So either I just do it uncomfortably until I get comfortable and eat or I fucking just be scared and I don't eat. Mm-hmm. Which I mean there was times man like it was rough, bro. I mean we were hitting up food pantries for fucking for food because we just didn't make enough. I literally, I love shoes, love shoes. Sold every one of my shoes except for a pair of Vans my, in my first year just to pay rent and like eat. Mm-hmm. And then like just shit like that. My wife was given plasma. Like, yeah, that first year, bro, was insane. And all of that while still like working on my breathing techniques and mm-hmm. like writing in my journal and like trying not to have a fucking meltdown. Like, I felt like the rock in Jamo. He's like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> dude, it was it was a lot, bro. But it literally, I feel like putting myself in that situation helped more than it hurt. Yeah. So. Sometimes you just got to dive head, head first. Yeah. And I got a pretty hard fucking head, so. <laughs> so now that you're, you know, you've been in Texas for what? Two, three? Two years now? Three working years. on our third year, yeah. yeah. Working on our third year. And uh, obviously what you did worked because your, your business has grown substantially yeah so i mean you're you're having to figure out how to scale yourself yeah i mean that so we're in the process now or i'm even looking at like potentially hiring like an editor you know what i mean like so in the two years that we've been doing this and starting off from like doing the family photos on the side just because we need to get paid or like the trades i mean since then you gotta think dude i've shot with c4 um i've shot for ringside mm-hmm. uh lift heavy clothing um father son clocks and colors yeah, some, jed north yeah some really big names yeah and it's like and it, it's weird because even just saying that right now i sound like a douche where it's like listen to all this yeah but it, it's it's kind of unreal just to sit back and think in like two years that should happen like well, that. and i don't think it's you know you sound like a, a douche i mean it's audience needs to hear where you where you started and where you're at now yeah a lot of people don't understand again you know the reason we even did this podcast was so people could hear about the middle story because they don't hear hear the middle story they hear the beginning and then they hear the success at the end yeah they don't hear what it takes to get to that success so um your sacrifices and everything you've done is what led you to shoot with people like c4 and jed north and, and those others so, you know, sometimes you know, it's it's okay to show uh, – it's okay to be selfish in a way to yeah. where you, you can talk about yourself uh, strategically. Yeah. But it's also, you know, you need to brag about your brand. I mean, you put the work in. So yeah. You, you know, it's it's not like you're John Doe off the street that just, you know, talking shit. You, you, the work was there, so you deserve it. Yeah, I'm just like – I'm also like just – stubbornly relentless mm-hmm. like you know what i mean given the circumstances so with my kids and my wife here and like this is how we make our money that's already enough yeah but it's like i just refuse to like i'm already in it i'm already doing it so why the mm-hmm. fuck am i gonna like stop the only option you have once you're in it is to keep going 
You know what I mean? And that's kind of like where I'm at with it. Like, there's been plenty of people that told me no. Yeah. Like, even when we first came out here, like, the, I made these little, like, promotional cards. It was like 15% off. And I was driving around gyms with all the kids in the car trying to drop off fucking coupons to have somebody potentially call me. Right. It's one gym. It's really funny. Uh, it's like 50 minutes from the house. So I drive to this gym and, um, I, I wanted to get there so bad because they had a lot of athletes. And I was like, bro, this would be the spot. You know what I mean? Like, this would be a great opportunity. And I get there, get to the front desk. Mind you, driving makes my anxiety bad. Right. So that's why I had my family and my kids in the car because it was like, you're going to suck this shit up because you're not going to let them down. You know what I mean? And so I get to this gym. I have these cards. And I spent money on these cards that I didn't have. And I go to this this desk and I was like, hey, bro, new to the area. Like love the gym, would love to offer your client, your you know, patrons a discount. And the dude looks me dead in the face and he's like, "Bro, I can't take those." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, I can't." He was like, "I, I literally would get in trouble if I took. There's no place we could put them. I can't take them." And I was like, "Bro, can I just like drop them? Like I'll go to the bathroom and just like drop them in there." He's like, "I can't even let you in." And I was like, "What?" And mind you, like I drove an hour. Like I was like, "Yeah, what the fuck?" So I, dude, I was so pissed off and like. I kind of take things personally, but I use it as fuel. Mm. And I was so pissed off and I got in the car and my wife was like, what's up? And I was like, dude, fuck this place, man. <laughs> and so, and so I was mad. And she was like, and I was like, you know what? Not fuck this place. I, I will shoot here. And I was like, not only will I shoot here, I'll shoot for this fucking gym. When it's all said and done, I will shoot. I will do work for this gym. And like currently as it stands, I've done at least three commercials for that gym, and I've shot with almost every pro athlete that trains at that gym. Uh, I know what gym you're talking about. And I shoot there now. <laughs> I yeah. shoot there now whenever I want. I know what gym you're talking uh, about. And I'm really good friends yeah. with the owner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and love, it, I love that gym. Yeah, and it's so it's like it's a thing where it's like I don't take the nose. I take it personally, but not in a level of like a setback or like um, like a detriment to who I am. I take it as a challenge, man. Yeah. Like when cats are like, nah, I'm like, okay, stand by. Well, and that's it. Well, the, the thing is too, you, you, you demonstrated a really good um, example that I talk about a lot is, is anger is the most wasted emotion. Yeah. Because people do a lot of stuff out of anger, but nine times out of 10, they regret what they did out of anger. Yeah. And so, you know, if you take that anger and turn it into a motivation to, to provide a positive result, yeah. you're good. But a lot of people don't, they don't understand that. And that's why you should never make a decision out of anger. And yeah. that's what you were, you were about to do that. Cause you were like, you're like, you know what? Uh, to hell with this gym. Yeah. I'm, I'm out after you drove an hour. Uh, but luckily with the good support that you had, you know, you took that anger and, and, and made a positive outcome out of it. And now, yeah, I, I know what gym it is and I, I know how much, um, work you do with them and it's it's probably they're probably one of your biggest biggest clients yeah it's pretty solid yeah so so making so making that decision not to to act in anger and, and more on a professional side is is what secured you you know a, a long-term client yeah you can't like the thing is when you're already in an industry where your result of business is based on other people's opinions mm -hmm. you really have to learn how to mute that shit yeah right so i'm a photographer that does mainly social media content so the only way a business knows whether or not that content was relevant is based on likes and opinions. Yep. So if I weighed everything wholly on that, I would die with it. 
Well, and the problem is too, you have very limited control over that. Yeah. Because so there's managing social media and then there's really managing social media. And I just had this, this uh, conversation with a, a client of ours. Um, if you're just posting to post, yeah, you have a electronic glorified photo album. Yep. It's all you have. And you did not um, use it to its full capabilities of social media marketing. Yeah. So, you know, when you post, how you post, tagging, hashtagging, the content, the copy of it, you know, all that plays a part. But the problem is you only provide the photo. Yep. So you don't have control. After you give them that photo, you have no control of what they do with it. Yeah. And it's just like you you told me you had a client one time that you did uh, like an hour photo shoot, and they literally posted all the photos like yeah, in a man. carousel yeah, type thing, and then that was it. That hurts. So, yeah. like, literally, he paid, I don't know, uh, two, three hundred bucks nope. for more than that. Or, yeah, <laughs> so, more, more than that. The boy's for, not like, doing two hundred dollars anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, so, literally, he paid this, this uh, price for like literally one post. Yeah. And didn't use it to the best of, of the capability was there. Yeah. Blues love, man. Yeah. 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 It's. <laughs> Those are the things that kind of hurt sometimes because yeah. you're like, you want to see people succeed. And the problem with me is like, I love people, which is, I think, why I really enjoy photography as much as I do. Because yeah. I get to meet people. I get to hear their stories. I get to chat with them. Um, and I want to see them win. Right. So with these photos, I'm like, damn, you're, you, if you do this right, bro, this is going to help out a lot. And then, you know, so I'll be like, yo, I'll even give them little tips. Like, hey, maybe this is a dope caption for this. Right. Or like, you know, maybe post this at this time or like do this and that. And then you see them go to their house or whatever. Yeah, and then boom, it's all on one carousel. And it's like, all right, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, you know, I tried, dog. But you can't like, yeah, the, the whole personal thing is like, you can't take that shit personal, which the first year I kind of did. But of course, like you're in that glass box of emotion because you're trying to figure out finances and family, new place. And then you're also trying to weigh yourself on like, am I going to make it based on other people's opinions, you know? And so, but you, well, you learn fast that like, you can't do that. You got to know who you are. You got to know what you bring to the table. And then you also got to know that not everybody's going to love that shit if they don't fuck them. Yeah. But, but isn't that funny though? Like, yeah, you can't take it personal because it's going to happen. Yeah. But like, I love when people tell a startup, Hey, don't take it personal. It's business. Yeah. But then it's like, but it is personal because like, you're literally talking to the dude that owns the company yeah. that is trying to pay for his family's, you know, yeah. expenses. It's very personal. Yeah. So to say that, like, it's almost like a slap in the face. Hey, don't take this personal. Yeah. It's like, well, um, yeah. <laughs> but see, there's two, to, like, you can take it personal where you get butthurt, right? And you're just like, or, oh, I'm or so use upset. It, or use it correctly. Or you take motivated. that shit personally. You're like, stand by, bro. I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, it's one of those, and that's the way I take it. It's like, Okay, cool. You didn't want to shoot. And this is probably going to sound really petty, but it's like, bet, I'm going to do so much fucking work and I'm going to work so hard and I'm going to get so like, I'm going to get blasted on so many pages that you're just going to have to see the content and be like, damn, we should have got that. We yeah. should have got that work. Or, or they're, they're going to reach out to you and be like, Hey, uh, remember that proposal that you sent me? Like, yeah. No, nah, bro. <laughs> and then at that time it'll be like, yo, I'm super, I'm super booked. I don't even have, I don't even have time. You're either super booked or Hey, that, I'm not the same person anymore. Yeah. That price is. I mean, I've even had know. I've had cats like that that have hit me up. Yeah. And they'll uh, when I first started, and I had a really low starting price, and they'd be like, "Oh, you know, that's a little high. Like, can you this and that?" And like one thing I learned from Doc, the number's the number, Doc. Oh, like yeah. we don't do discounts. Like yeah. that number is that number. And so, a year later, they'd be like, "Oh, I love your work, bro." Like. And I'll send them the new pricing guide, and they'll be like, "Oh shit!" And I'm like, "Yeah, bro. Yeah, that's how Should've that happens." It when it was in. Yep. 
that's how that happens. Well, and you should never you should never discount your brand. Like I get it. Like you know, you offer discounts for to increase your business and stuff. But yeah. then at, at at one point, you know, in your career of building your business, you have yeah. to realize like, hey, I'm valued and I value yeah. myself. So, you know, for especially friends, friends will ask for discounts. I think that's like the shittiest thing ever. Dude. Like, like if you're my friend and you see what I'm going through as yeah. far as stress, yeah, the last thing you should be asking is a discount. You know, you know it, it actually, what pisses me off more, and like I do get upset about this one, is it's not even the friends. Because that one, I'll just be like, nah, bitch, that's not happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's when businesses do it. Yeah. When like personally owned businesses do it, when they hit me up. Even like down to personal trainers. Because the personal know. trainer is a business. Yeah, because they, they, they know what it takes. That's what drives me nuts. When it's like, yo, you are a business, my guy. Like, why would you come to me and ask for a discount? Or you want me to cut my shit? If I was a client coming to you, would you cut your shit? Yeah. Like, is that is that... So why why would you even ask that question? Mm-hmm. When it's like, or even if you sold a hard item, and it's like, would you want somebody to be like, oh, that's too much for that? Can I get it for twenty dollars? Right. Like it's like, no, bitch. Like why would you expect me to do the same? You think because I just hold a camera, that's it? Like, yeah. so there's definitely a lot of misconception in what we do as content creators and the value of it. And the thing is, like, if you think you do it yourself, man, buy a fucking camera, go do it yourself. Yeah. And- but I'll tell you what, it's not going to look like this. Yeah. And it's going to take a lot of time. Yeah. And so like it's it's um, the business thing is the thing that drives me the most insane because businesses really do like unless it's a legit business, people don't value self-investment right. as much as they should, and especially when you're starting a startup business. It costs money. And so they, they don't want to spend the money. But the thing is, like, if you go cheap all out the gate. That's what you're going to get back for a while until you start making the right decisions. Well, if, if you go cheap right out of the gate, that just tells you and everybody, like, you really don't believe in your brand. Yeah. Like, if clothes. The clothes is the biggest thing. Like, if you're a clothing brand and you're trying to sell a garment, spending a little bit of money on showcasing it the best possible way you can yeah. is one of the smartest investments you can make. Well, you have to because there's so many clothing brands out there now. Yeah. So many. So if you if you cheap out, people are gonna eh, X. Yeah, it's they're gonna move on to the next guy. Yeah, it's nuts, man. But yeah, the business thing is what gets me sometimes. Where cats are like, oh no, like maybe can you do this for this? And it's like, what? Give me a whole box of your items. Yeah. Well, no. Well, then what the fuck? Like, why would you even ask me that question? Right. That's crazy. And that's and and there's a difference between asking for a discount and then also, you know, trying to work with someone's budget. Yeah. You know, but it, at the end of the day, then if you're working with someone's budget you're providing a service that fits that budget. Yeah. So you're not discounting. You're just giving the service that yeah. actually fits that. And then, you know, you can do that too. But then that, it just, what I found though, is like, it does become a little bit of a slippery slope in like the content creation industry. And I don't know if that works the same for marketing or for selling like clothing and things like that. But like, if you build your reputation as the discount guy or the guy that like, yeah, if you talk to him, he'll, he'll change his prices. Yeah. You're fucked. Well, that's why you got to be, that's why you be clear out the gate. Like if someone's like, Hey, this is my budget. What can you do for me? Yeah. That's where you have to like, okay, this is, I can do something for you, but it's not going to be this. Yeah. And that's where you have to be very transparent and clear because you don't want them to have those conversations and saying, Oh yeah, just talk to him. He'll discount it. Yeah. That way you want them to say, well, if you talk to him, he may be able to do something that fits your budget. Yeah, exactly. And that's a whole different 
yeah. persona and, and conversation that you can have with businesses. And we and we do the same thing on the marketing side. You know, yeah. people think they want to be up here, but then it's like, oh, what's your budget? And they're like, what's well, this? And it's like, yeah, no, you're not going to be up here. Yeah. I like, guess not how it works. And that was just like that, uh, you know, or the experience that we had with a, with a client that said, hey, I, I want uh, a Tiffany's look. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, do you have a Tiffany's budget? Because yeah. <laughs> uh, it's about to be great value, place, Tiffany's. Yeah, <laughs> plays a big role in that. Because <laughs> I assure you, yeah. uh, Tiffany's is not paying. Uh, you know, a thousand dollars a day for a photo yeah. shoot. There's is going to be a lot more, much more. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's um, it, those things are interesting, man. But I think the biggest thing that people like, even for me, like if I need a video done, I'll pay a videographer to do a video for me. Yeah, of course. Could I do it myself? Sure, but I'm not going to do it as good as a guy that does that. Like he specializes in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. I think investing in yourself in the right way. So like, even when I hired that, I joined that mentorship group. Yeah. I didn't have that fucking money. You know, I, I probably spent like $800 on equipment that night. Yeah. I, but having a mentor is so important. Man. Yeah. So important. It changed everything, bro. Like if you look at the photos that I took before that group and what I'm doing now, two different people. And that mm. happened in a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, but not only that, I learned how to like communicate with models. I learned how to like give direction. And those are things that I use now that people comment and say like, man, I love shooting with you because you do this, this and that. Mm-hmm. I would have never even known that if it wasn't for that group right. and wasn't for that dude. Well, but it's like, you have to spend that money to do those things. Well, you're just uh, remotely, you're investing in yourself, which you, you have to do. Yeah. I was very blessed with my, my mentors, which I have several um, that I, I literally listen to them and yeah. that, and that goes into the whole, like putting yourself in the right spot, having yeah. the right people being surrounded yeah. by, um, or excuse me, surrounding yourself with the right people, networking, all that place apart, but yeah. then also being humble enough to listen to people and learn yeah. from their mistakes Yeah, because, um, you know, the, the group that I normally hang out with, they, they made a lot of mistakes Yeah, and, uh, you know, I didn't, I'm not arrogant going. Oh, I'm not going to make those mistakes because honestly, if I didn't listen to them, I probably would have made the same mistake. Yeah. And so it's, it's super important to, to invest in that. And I'm not saying go pay thousands of dollars for a coaching class or a mentor, yeah. class, but you know, realize and understand that, you know, mentors are, are needed. Yeah. I mean, it's just like weight loss stuff, right? Like if I bought a whole bunch of diet food and didn't fucking eat it, I'd still be fat. Well, yeah. So, like, if I join a mentorship group where I find listen. a mentor, like, you got to listen. Like, dude, my first mentor, like, I literally, in California, I, it was like, I finally was like, you know what? I want to take this photo thing a little more seriously. So, I'm on Instagram looking for people that shoot in the area that are, like, better than I am. Mm-hmm. And I DM this guy and I said, yo, bro, I know you don't know me. I literally live, like, a town over. I don't know shit about video or photo. And I'd love to learn. Can I buy you like lunch or can I like do something? And so he says to me, he's like, yo, I have a shoot tomorrow in LA. Pick me up and you can help. And, you know, we'll chat. And I literally was like, cool. All right. <laughs> so I told my wife, I was like, hey, I'm going to drive this dude to LA tomorrow. And she's like, do you know him? And I was like, nope. Just talk to him on social media right now. <laughs> and she's like, and how long are you going to be gone? I was like, probably the whole day. You know, and sure enough, man, went and picked the dude up. He hopped in the car. I was like, hey, my name's Q. Like, that's the first time we met. And, but dude, the amount of information he gave me on that ride, mm-hmm. 
it, would, it literally was the first boost in learning anything about business when it came to like content creation. Mm-hmm. Now, the job that we did was crazy. Like he did a, a, a Pokemon Squirtle rap music video. It was crazy, bro. This dude was like pouring soju on like chicks. It was nuts. <laughs> like, I'm so serious. It's on YouTube right now. It's got millions of plays. It's, it doesn't make sense. Um, at one point, I actually wore the Squirtle costume. Like, I'll show it to you when we're done. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. So, but yeah, dude, the information that he gave me and just that like the hour drive and then watching him shoot in the interaction changed the way I operated for a long time. Yeah. I still talk to that cat. Last time I went to California, actually, uh, we had, I had lunch with him. Mm. Yeah. So now after literally all the bullshit that you've gone through, yeah. um, your business is thriving. So what's, so what's next? Um, yeah, I mean, so obviously there's, there's always, I guess, all right, how do I say this? I'm not one to celebrate things, right? Yeah. So I don't, um, I don't really like stop and think frequently about like the accomplishments. Even just talking to you right now, this is the first time I really thought about the people I've shot with or things that we've done. Right. I don't really ever think about that shit. I don't look back and say like, we're moving here or we're successful or we're doing. The only thing I always look at is like that happened, but here's all the other shit still that I want to do. And so like where I'm at now is. um, Yeah, but it's important to celebrate small wins. And I'm learning that from you yeah. now, right? Because we've talked about that before and I'm learning that from the wife. Like, I, I don't, um, yeah, before I mean, I never thought about it. And I cel- just and celebrate it briefly. Like, yeah. celebrate it, enjoy it, and then move on. Yeah. Don't be, don't be the, the dad that's talking about how he was, you know, a high school champion. Yeah. At the age of 50. Yeah. You know? Well, like, then that's the thing, man. Like, I never want to be like, I could have thrown a pigskin a quarter mile. Like, yeah. that's not... Yeah. It, for me, it was like, if you got that reference though, shout out. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I just never, I, I just feel like I have still so far to go to where I want to be that even getting here to this point is like, that's cool, but here's where I want to be. Yeah. But in that, right. Saying all that to say this, I, I do want to get um, back into education. So I do like teaching. I really enjoy that. So workshops, I want to get into workshops and to your point, like what you were saying earlier, like. I've made a lot of mistakes doing this mm-hmm. and I've learned a lot of shit the hard way. And I've always been passionate about helping people not make those same mistakes in any way, shape or form. So yeah, uh, doing seminars or like workshops, whatever they call them, just to help people with like the business concepts, lighting, how to interact with clients, just things that would help them avoid some of the shit that I dealt with. Right. Uh, I want to do that. Um, there's still companies that I would love to work with. Dark Sport being one of them. Um, I would love to shoot with Dark Sport. There's certain athletes that I would love to work with. Some of them are here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are little things that would be really cool. Um, but at some point, my goal is to not be the photographer that's still running around chasing down clients and going to shoots. Right. It sounds harsh, but if I'm doing that when I'm like 45, I fucked up and I did something wrong in business. Mm-hmm. So studio space, um, education, things like that. Those are the things that I kind of want to move into here in a couple of years. Um, and then scaling a little bit because it is getting to the point now where I can't keep up with a lot of stuff that we're doing for the media side because we own, yeah. So cue the photographer is me and that's the fitness stuff, but we also have a, um, a content media company. So we do like weddings, business stuff, commercials, product shots. Yeah. And so that stuff, man, I can't, 
between all of them, I, it's, it's a lot. Right. So, you know, um, I hired my first assistant last month for mm-hmm. two shoots and like, it was cool. It worked out. Um, and I think we'll probably do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good stuff, man. Well, it, how do people to learn more about you and to book shoots? How do the, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. Yeah. So Instagram is the fastest way. Right. So I'm not famous enough to where like, I don't see DMS. If you send them to your boy sees them. So, <laughs> Uh, Instagram is always the fastest way to get a hold of me. From there, I'll shoot you an email or however you want to discuss it. Um, website's coming soon. Yep. And then that will showcase everything, uh, answer a lot of your questions. But Instagram, at Q the Photographer. It's Q-T-H-A. Yeah, I know it's spelled wrong, but T-H-E was taken. So at Q-T-H-A Photographer. That's the fastest way to get a hold of me. And then there's a link on there to cue the photographer media, which has all my non-fitness stuff. So anything non-fitness related. So weddings, headshots, family photos, portraits, all that stuff is on that one. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to check out the hustlemarketingdesign.com for more episodes. Be sure to subscribe and follow and have a great day. Thank you.